Hamilton. Thank you, Miss B. Take your Bibles and turn to James 5. James 5 tonight. By the way, can I ask you to pray for one more person I failed to mention? Uh, how many of you remember Brandon, Heather? How many of you remember Brandon? Brandon has uh, had a lot of health troubles as of late and uh, some pretty serious uh, health issues that may be some long-term uh, things. And uh, he's uh, uh, praying the Lord would just give him healing there. Uh, but would you pray for healing for him? And uh, also pray for wisdom and direction uh, going forward. I, I spoke, I believe it was the last Wednesday uh, that I was here. I played hooky last week. How many of you knew that Pastor Rex played hooky last, last Wednesday? And Colton knows it for sure. But uh, we were traveling back from the border. And I believe it was two weeks ago I spoke on uh, the matter of healing uh, and, and prayer for healing in Scripture. And uh, it's been amazing to me. Uh, I, I would say ten different people have reached out to me in the last two weeks uh, about some serious health issues and asked me, Pastor, what do you believe about healing? And I, I've been able to say, hey, I said, I, can, I, can I get you to listen to a message? I think it will help you. And uh, praise the Lord. It's amazing how the Bible has the answers. Uh, it is God's answer book for us and helpful. But uh, may we continue to pray. And, and we're going to talk about prayer tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about the secret of effective prayer. How many of you have ever had a flat tire? You ever had a flat tire? How many of you ever had a, a flat tire on a bicycle? Probably a lot of us have. Have you ever hooked up your bicycle pump to your flat bicycle tire and pumped the tire and the tire didn't go up? I mean, you were pumping it, right? But there's a hole in the tube. Uh, and so you could pump all you want, but that pumping was not effective. And I, I'm not talking about rote prayer tonight or uh, repetitious prayer that has no power. Uh, I just, in the last couple of days, I've seen some things, some, uh, some very Catholic things, uh, and it's kind of sh shaken me a little bit, not shaken my faith, but shaken me as I thought, man, how can, how can someone believe something that isn't anywhere in their Bible? And I just, for instance, I, I just read a thing regarding the stations of the cross. Uh, now, how many of you grew up in the Catholic Church? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, you know, all the, uh, Jesus, you know, he saw his mother, and then his, his, the, this woman by some name wiped his tears, and this happened, and this happened. But even the Catholic Church said, well, yeah, really, that's not in the Bible, but, uh, you know, it's okay. Uh, I, I want to talk to you about something that's in the Bible tonight. Amen. And about prayer, not something that we do because all oh, this is this is what tradition teaches us. Uh, tradition can be thrown in the garbage or the toilet with where it belongs. Uh, I want us to look at Scripture tonight. Would you look with me here at James chapter five? We're going to look at verse sixteen and eighteen through eighteen. James five sixteen: Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, and this is our, our key verse tonight, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. 
And it rained not on the earth, but the space of three years and six months. That's a long drought, my friend. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Let's pray. Lord, tonight I believe we look at a very important subject in your word. Lord, we've spent some time in prayer tonight. We've brought our prayer needs together already this evening. We've mentioned prayer requests. Lord, tonight we talk about the secret of effective prayer. God, help us not to pray just to check a box on a piece of paper. God, help us not to pray because that's the tradition that we've always done. God, help us not to have vain repetition or powerless prayer. But Lord, I pray tonight that you'd help us as we look at this matter of what it means to have effective prayer. Lord, I, I'm glad that we can truly shake the heavens in prayer. Lord, how powerful that thought that you hear us. Lord, would you shake us tonight? Lord, help us to maybe let go. Lord, of maybe some vain repetition, maybe some false teaching, maybe some tradition of men that we've gravitated to. And God, would you help us to espouse truth tonight? Lord, help us to follow truth. God, help me, uh, Lord, to teach you right your truth. Bless us now. In your precious name we pray. Amen. It is said by a theologian that wrote much about the book of James that James had knees that were worn down by prayer. James was a man of prayer. A man who no doubt had a constant pattern of prayer. We have a testimony of a man here in the book of James as he pens the word of God who had proved, God had proved through him the secret of effective prayer and I believe his life practiced what he preached. He practiced what he preached. But I want you to notice a statement here in verse 16. And let's use this as a jumping off point tonight. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I'm going to share several points with you tonight, some very practical things. Uh, They'll be doctrinal, but also some practical thoughts. Uh, number one tonight, there is, there is a kind of prayer which is not always or is very rarely effective. Now, if there is effectual prayer, that means also there is a prayer that is not effectual. How many of you have ever taken Buckley's cough syrup? How many of you like the taste of it? bunch of weirdos. Uh, Brother Bonnie doesn't surprise me. Brother Bonnie's a hardened alcoholic. But I, you know, Buckley's cough syrup, uh, they have the most honest advertising campaign in the history of advertising campaigns. Tastes awful, but it works. And that's true. It tastes awful. I grew up with asthma as a boy. Uh, I grew up 
Uh, I was hospitalized with pneumonia in an oxygen tent a couple of times as a boy. I've had, I've had pneumonia so many times as an adult that when they x-ray my lungs, it looks like I have lung cancer. I have that much scar tissue in my lungs. I, I grew up with about a half inch of, of oh, that nasty Vic salve rubbed on me. It seemed like for four or five, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Man, I think all they do to make Buckley's is they take Vic salve, they add a half a teaspoon of alcohol, stir it up, and put it in a bottle. It's, it's nasty. It's disgusting. But it works. But at the same time, you can go and buy some other cough medicine that does absolutely nothing. I mean, seemingly. Brother Mod, you're a perfect example tonight. Brother Mod's dealing with coughing and won't quit. Uh, he's tried everything. Uh, well, not everything. He, he hasn't drunk a whole bottle of whiskey yet. But he, he's tried it. That was, that's next, right? But he can't get something to work. Yeah, medicinal only, right? But can I tell you that there is a prayer or type of prayer that is not effective? Just as we, we understand in all walks of life, we, there has to be the opposite true here. Now, the reason that this prayer is ineffective or I would go so far as to say useless. Useless prayer is because of a few different things, but basically because God doesn't hear it. I have serious hearing loss. I, if someone speaks to me, if they don't speak loudly, I don't hear them, especially if there's background noise. I just... I cannot hear. It's not that I don't want to hear. Uh, it's not that I wouldn't like to hear. I can't hear. Now, God will not, not he cannot, God will not hear certain prayers. We don't have time to go into all this tonight for verses, but if you have a pen, I'm going to give you some references. If you want to look them up later, we don't have time to turn to them all tonight. But Job 27, verses 8 and 9. Job 35, verse 13. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 15 through 16. Isaiah 59, verse 2. Micah, the prophet Micah, chapter 3, verse 4. Zechariah, the prophet, chapter 7, verse 11 through 13. And again in the Gospel of Luke, Luke 18, verse 11 through 12. Matter of fact, won't you turn to that one with me? In the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. In verse 11, it says, The Pharisee stood and prayed. This next few words are very important. He prayed thus with himself. How many times, friends, have you been talking to somebody on the phone? Maybe you had a long story to tell them. Maybe you're talking to your wife. Or maybe your mom or your dad. And you're telling them this long story, and you're going and telling, and all of a sudden you say, hello, are you, are you there? And then you realize they haven't been on the phone for 10 minutes. For 10 minutes, you've been delivering a monologue to a brick. You've been talking to yourself. Now, hopefully you didn't answer yourself. The Bible says the Pharisee basically was the same way as you are when somebody's not there on the phone. He prayed, 
to himself. He talked to himself. God didn't hear him. He prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men. He used God's name. By the way, there's a lot of prayer that uses God's name that God doesn't hear. So, I, no, I prayed. I, I said, God. I said, Jesus. I, I said, in Jesus' name, when I finished my prayer. So, God had to hear me. That's like you got to sign off. That's like the 10-4 on the, on the CB. No. God didn't hear him. God didn't hear him. He talked about his goodness, but God did not hear him. I said there's a kind of prayer that is not always effective. Now, I want to give you some, some examples of that. And some of these verses I gave you, we'll kind of delve into that a bit too. But just quickly some examples. Number one, a prayer that is not effective or a prayer that God cannot hear is a prayer with the wrong motive. Prayer with the wrong motive can't be effective. Go back to your text with me, James James chapter 4 and verse 3. It's very plain here in the book of James. You ask and receive not. Why? Oh, must be some great, great, oh man, I'm getting some great truth here. Because you ask amiss. In other words, you ask for the wrong thing. Bond gets up in the morning. Bond, do you eat breakfast? That's a stupid question. Of course you eat breakfast. Bon eats breakfast, then he eats second breakfast, then he eats third breakfast. He eats 572 times a day. Uh, but he even gets up in the middle of the night and eats. But if he wakes up tomorrow morning, he comes downstairs, and he says to his mom, Mom, can I have ice cream for breakfast? What are you going to say, Mom? You don't love your son? <laughs> She's going to say, No, you can't have ice cream for breakfast. You can have some cereal. Uh, you can have a whole side of beef. Uh, but that's what you really want. But he's not, she's not going to give him ice cream. Why? Ice cream is not for breakfast. That's for lunch. You have the ice cream at lunchtime. But he would ask amiss. Can I tell you, when we ask for the wrong thing, it's not effective. If I get down to my office tomorrow morning and I pray, Oh, God, oh, God, give me a Tesla S plaid. I need one, Lord. Lord, if you gave me a Tesla S plaid, boy, I'd be a better soul winner. The Lord would look down from heaven and go, you're an idiot. And if Colton was here, he'd turn around in the office and go, Pastor, you're an idiot. That's not a prayer God's going to answer. I ask amiss. James is plain about that. Uh, we pray selfishly. So that's not an effective prayer. That's not an effective prayer. Number two... If we know we have sin in our lives, our prayer can't be effective. I mean, if I just got through talking to Ahmad and I told him all kinds of bad things about Karim, man, you're not even going to believe what he did. And I'm gossiping about Karim. I mean, he was drinking some kind of stuff when he walked in here. I think it was, it was disgusting looking. I went, no, I'll talk, I talked to him, and man, I'm, I'm gossiping to Brother Ahmad. And after I get done gossiping, I go to the Lord, oh, Lord. Lord, I, I want to be a great prayer warrior. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not going to be a very effective prayer. Because me backbiting and talking about my brother in Christ, it cripples me spiritually in my prayer life. By the way, if God says, thou shalt not, and I shout, <laughs> I do what God says don't do, and then I go to God and say, hey, God, I just want to, I'm going to spend time with you, Lord. 
I know I, I, I love you, Lord. If you love me, keep my commandments. Can I tell you that when I have sin in my life, my prayer is not as effective. It's kind of like pulling the emergency brake on your car all the way and then putting it in gear and trying to drive. You're not going to have full power. Uh, we see that, and we will take time tonight. Psalm 66, verse 18. Uh, how easy it is for us to harbor sin, for us to take sin and to, to hold it. Uh, David. David prayed in Psalm 51, a wonderful psalm. I encourage you to look there at David as David gets right with the Lord. As David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. David never prayed, oh God, give me my salvation back. I lost it because I sinned. That's not David's prayer in Psalm 51. David said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Now if it was David's salvation, he could lose it. It was God's salvation. He said, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. David said, I, I want that relationship back with you. David said, I, I, I want to be that man after your own heart. I, I want to have that closeness uh, that I've had. And as believers, we need to walk guard around our life, around what we do, not to keep from losing our salvation. We can't do that. But to keep ourselves in a close relationship, that our prayer is effective because sin, known sin in my life, causes a problem of ineffective prayer. For Psalm 1 9, wonderful passage for that as well. Number three, and I've got to hurry tonight, I've got a lot I want to give you. An unforgiving spirit. An unforgiving spirit will hinder your prayer. If Sean did something to me, horrible, terrible, and like stole my last cup of coffee, that's the dirtiest, evilest thing anybody could ever do. The only thing worse than that, Brother Maude, is if somebody prayed for snow. <laughs> but anyway, I, if, I, I don't harbor any ill will towards Brother Gerald. Okay, I do a little bit. The Lord was going to smite me with a lightning bolt. But if I, if I have uh, an unforgiving spirit towards Brother Gerald and his praying for snow, now, if I have an unforgiving spirit towards someone, well, they did something bad to me. Well, you don't know what they did to me. I'm not going to forgive them. Then I bow my knee to pray, oh, God. By the way, I'm praying to the one who had to forgive every sin I've ever committed just so I could talk to him, just so I could enter his presence in prayer. You understand, for God to hear me, even as a lost sinner, God had to allow me into his presence And yet, I want to harbor an unforgiving spirit. I'm not saying you can't pray. I'm just telling you, when you have an unforgiving spirit, your prayer is not going to be effective. It's not going to be as effective as it could be. We look at Mark 11. Let's see what the Bible says. Mark 11, verse 25. And when ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have aught against any, that your Father, which also which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, verse 26, this is the Bible. This is not tradition of men. 
neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Basically, God says here, your prayer is not going to be effective. It's not going to be effective. When I came out of surgery a little over a year ago for my knee, and they brought me down to recovery, and the doctor came in and said, Mr. Rice, are you in pain? I said, oh, I'm a little bit of pain. And he said, well, you know, scale from zero to ten. And I said, oh, it, it hurts pretty pretty good. And he said, are you in a lot of pain? I said, oh, I'm probably about a, maybe an eight right now. And I said, but I, I said, probably somebody else's ten. I said, it, it hurts pretty bad. And the doctor said, okay, yeah, we thought you were in pain. He said, we've, they were shocked that I hadn't complained of being in pain. I said, well, you know, I expected I'd be in pain. This is normal, right? I mean, I should be in pain. And he said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you some morphine to take care of the pain. And I looked at the doctor and I said, Doc, you can do that. It won't do anything for me. And he looked at me. I said, I'm, I'm just telling you. I, you can try it, but it won't do anything. So the doctor came. They gave me some morphine. A bit later, the doctor came back and he walked in, looked at me, and he said, hasn't done anything, has it? I said, no, not at all. I said, I told you, that's not going to do anything for me. My body is wired weird. Uh, it didn't do anything at all. It was not effective. I want my prayer life to be effective. And when I harbor an unforgiving spirit, it keeps me from having an effective prayer life. Uh, we need to pray, but we need to be forgiving. Number next, number four, another type of unaffected or ineffective prayer. It's when I have an unwillingness. I have an unwillingness to be reconciled to someone. I have a dear friend going through a very difficult situation. I talk to him often. He doesn't even live in, in Canada. Spent several hours talking to him the night. I got a phone call from him this week. And he told me about how God just kind of gave him some peace about something. I believe exactly what we're seeing in this passage. And we're looking at Matthew 5. Would you turn there with me? It's what God was doing in his heart to help him with an, an issue and a matter of the heart as far as his prayer. And I believe God is going to do some special things now because of it. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, it says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother have ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way first. Be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Christian, I, I can't explain to you any, any stronger how important it is that we reconcile with our brothers and sisters in Christ. There are families, by the way, my family is not untouched by this. There are families that siblings haven't seen each other in person in years. As I said, my family, my wife's family, we're not exempt from I know that's a common thing in our world today. 
There are their families where brothers and sisters, they won't be in the same room, the same house together. Because they can't get over what he did or what she did. And I, I'm never forgiven her. I'm never forgiven him. And I'm talking about folks that claim to be born-again believers. And we wonder why we struggle in our prayer life. We wonder why we aren't effective in praying. We have to be willing for that reconciliation. By the way, that doesn't mean that you're always going to get reconciliation. That doesn't mean that if you decide, I'm, I'm willing to reconcile, I'm going to go to my brother or my sister and try to make things right. That doesn't mean they're not going to punch you in the nose. I'm just, let me get just real, real with you for a minute. That doesn't mean that, man, if you, if you okay, Lord, I, I, I'll, I'll go there. I, I'll put the effort in. And you may get cussed out. And it may be no better from therein than it was. But can I tell you, between you and your God, big difference. Big difference. We need to be very careful about that, especially in the day and age we live in. We're, we're so offended by everything. We, we let everything affect us. Everything everybody else does. Somehow it's what we do is their fault. Number five, another way that our prayer can be ineffective is if we have a, a wrong relationship. Turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. This ties in together with this, but it, it goes beyond a little broader reach here in this matter of relationship. 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them. Who's them? There you go. Uh, dwell with them. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife, as unto the weaker vessel as being heirs together of the grace of life. Now, I want you to notice the last part of this, that your prayers be not hindered. Now, I believe this goes for husband-wife relationship. I believe it goes in many other relationships of life. But when we do not treat our relationships correctly, it does not just affect our relationship one with another. It affects our relationship in prayer. Husbands, you, if, you're not, if you don't have the right relationship with your wife, you will not, you will not have right relationship with your God. Will not. It'll affect every other relationship in your life. We need to be careful that our relationships are kept right, that we're in the right place. I told somebody, it was, it was Alex, uh, Alex Sangredor a few weeks ago, I told him, I said, well, Alex, I said, I've never driven in the Philippines. I said, I know. How many of you have driven in the Philippines? Brother Bonnie, here's what I said. I said, well, Alex, I said, I've never driven in the Philippines. I said, but I would have no problem driving to the Philippines because I can deal with crazy people. And I don't mean the Filipinos are crazy, just the ones that drive in the Philippines. <laughs> I've heard stories, Brother Herman. Like, I mean, you have road signs, right? You have lines? Does anybody follow them, Brother Jerry? That's what I thought. They don't follow them. They're just like kind of a maybe. But 
A suggestion, yeah. Not even a strong suggestion. And I told Alex, we're joking before he flew to the Philippines. I said, I'm telling you. I said, I can handle it. I said, I can do it. I said, I, I have no problem. I said, man, I've driven in Chicago. I've driven, I've, I've driven in crazy, crazy places. I said, I can handle it. I said, it wouldn't even really put me off my game. I wouldn't be, I'd just take it in stride. Oh, yeah, no problem. I'm driving the wrong side of the road. I've done that before in North America. Uh, I can handle that. I can ask my wife. She's seen me drive some crazy stuff. I, I mean, I can handle that. But in our culture here, if you're driving down the street, and Brother Bonnie, you see somebody driving the wrong way in the wrong lane, you're like, Poof! everybody's going to lose their mind. You can't do that. In the Philippines, that's just a Tuesday. I haven't been there, but I, I know, I've heard. I, now, when we get out of place, there's a problem, right? In your relationship, there's a place, there's a direction God has for every relationship. By the way, teenagers, you listen to me. That's why it's so vital you're careful with your relationships as a teenager. You're careful about listening to your mom and dad about dating. And about, oh no, I, I, that, that, I, think, I, I think that boy's okay, that girl's okay. I know they're not quite, can I tell you that you're going to get out of place? There are men and women here tonight that could testify to you and say, look, let me tell you what I did. Let me tell you some mistakes I made. Don't get out of place. Hinders your prayer life. Number two, I said there is a type of prayer that is ineffective. Number two, there is a kind of prayer which is always effective. And I want to accentuate the positive, if you will, here. There is a kind of prayer that is effective. We see that here in the book of James. Look back in our text. James 5, verse 17 and 18. Elias was a man subject to like passion as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And look at this, God answered his prayer. Then he prayed again in verse 18, and look at this, God answered his prayer. James, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us here that there is, it is possible to pray and to succeed in prayer. It's possible to have effective prayer. Powerful prayer. We had the illustration here of Elijah. Elijah prayed that it would stop raining, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. That, that's, a, that's a long time. The summer of 1992, I believe it was. Summer of 92, we had a drought in West Virginia. And I, I grew up in farmland, farm country. We didn't make our living by farming. We had a big farm, but we, we didn't earn our living, all of our living by farming. But a lot of the people around us did. And I remember that summer, the old farmers had come up. And those of you that grew up in farm, farm, farm country, you know what I'm talking about. The old farmers had come up and stopped by my grandpa's house. And they'd set out and talk. Talk about the weather, talk about all everything in life, and I'd sit out there as a teenage boy and sit and listen to them. And every conversation I remember, every farmer that stopped by, every old old gray hair or bald headed man that would stop and talk to my grandfather. 
All they talked about was, boy, we sure need to pray it rains. I remember as a teenage boy, every day for at least a month and a half, part of my daily prayer life was, God, please let it rain. God, the farmers are going to lose everything. God, please let it rain. I remember the ground getting so dry that it cracked open. Some of you have seen that. You know what I'm talking about. And there's no irrigation hardly where I'm from. It, the Lord, it, we live in the River Valley. It's a very fertile area, but it's also, we get lots of rain. There's not much issue that way, and it was bad. And I remember when it rained. And man, when it rained, it was like Noah, Noah's Ark needed to be built. It just got open the heavens, and it rained and rained and rained and rained and rained. But Elijah prayed, and it stopped raining for three and a half years. And when Elijah prayed again, it rained. That, that's, that's effective prayer. That, that's powerful prayer. I want to give you a few points about effective prayer, prayer that's always effective. Number one, through prayer, God's servants are empowered to speak his word. I'm going to turn back to the book of 1 Kings very quickly, and I, I, I just I want to turn here. I know we're going to be running a little late on time tonight, but I want, I want to read this verse. 1 Kings 17 and verse number 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, this is before he prayed, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years but according to my word. How could he say that? How could he stand to the king and say, it's not going to rain unless I say it's going to rain? Because it wasn't his word he was trusting. You see, God had already talked to him. God told Elijah, you go tell Ahab what I said. Can I tell you that fervent prayer, effective prayer, causes us to be empowered to speak the word of God. To speak the word of God. That's where power is at. There's power in the word of God. And we see Elijah, uh, he spoke the word of God, the power in the word of God. Acts chapter 4, we don't have time to turn there tonight. Acts chapter 4, verse 29, verse 31, verse 32. Uh, we see the same thing about this matter of of effective prayer releasing the power of God. Number two, through prayer, God's servants gain ample provision for all their needs. Notice they don't gain Tesla S plaids. They gain ample provision for all their needs. You know, so often uh, we, we think we have a need. You know, I need this. We don't need that. We exactly. We want that. But God can provide our needs. You know, whenever Elijah was the brook cherith, the Bible says that the ravens brought him flesh to eat. Here, here's what I like to envision, Brother Karim. I like to envision a reverse-seared ribeye cooked to a perfect, meat, rare, medium-rare, crispy on the outside, about 129 degrees on a plate with some, you know, some onions, hallelujah, some, some herb butter. You know, when I, 
brought him flesh. But it doesn't say he brought him a ribeye. I, I, I don't know. But it very well could be the raven went and picked a piece of flesh off some dead critter on the side of the road, a dead skunk, and brought it. And There you go. I wanted a ribeye. But I got a hot dog. Uh, but it was provision. God always takes care of his own. And God always provides through prayer. Whenever... We see the miracle of the oil. You know, it wasn't all these amazing foods that God gave to them. God just let them have enough oil and enough meal that they could keep having pancakes. Doesn't even say anything about syrup, Brother Ramon. But they had provision. Prayer, through prayer, God's servants gain ample provision for all of our needs. We see that in 1 Kings 17. And, I, and we won't take time to turn back there again. But look, I do want you to look with me at Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. If you're writing references down, let me encourage you to write down uh, Psalm 3410 as well. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need, not want, all your need, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. By the way, I don't, I don't have any dear friends that are millionaires right now, I don't think. Uh, if I do, if you're watching the live stream, I'd like to talk to you. Uh, but uh, not for me, not for my Tesla. I want a new, I, we need a new church building. But... Matesta could come after. But I, I have spent some time with a millionaire. He's in heaven now. I have gone a couple times to eat with a man who was a multi, 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 multi-millionaire. Now, I'm wired. If I go to eat somewhere, I look at the value menu. That, that's how, from the time I was a young boy, I was programmed that way. I, I went to eat with this man who was a multimillionaire. No, you got to have this, and you're going to have one of these, and you're going to have one of these, and you're going to have that. And I'm like, nah. and he's like, I'm paying. Oh, well, that changes things. Do they have any ribeyes here at this place? Uh, about that big. You know, he was paying. It was different. It's not according to your riches. It's according to God's riches. Amen. Amen. He, he meets our needs through prayer. Uh, number three, through prayer, through prayer, through effective prayer, God's servants experience his miracle-working power. And we, we could go back again and look at Elijah. We could look at Elijah in, in 1 Kings 17, verse 17 through 24. And we can see the power that God gave to Elijah. And by the way, later, it would be Elisha that would pick up the mantle of God and cry out, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And God would give him power to do twice as many miracles. Not his power, God's power. It was the God of Elijah that did it through Elisha. We could see in Jeremiah 33.3, a verse that's been called God's phone number. Call unto me. And I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. Thou knowest not. 
Can I tell you that God shows us power? Look in the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11. Mark 11, 22. Through verse 24. Every time I read this verse, I think of Dr. Lee Robertson. Have you ever heard Dr. Lee Robertson preach? Brother Gerald, did you ever hear Dr. Robertson preach? Dr. Lee Robertson pastored for many years the Highland Park Baptist Church, Chattanooga, Tennessee. The song we sang tonight, a funny story I won't take time to tell, but I thought of Brother Robertson early tonight. But I think just about every time I heard Dr. Robertson preach in his latter years, and that's when I heard him, he preached on this subject, or at least this phrase, in verse 22, And Jesus answering saith unto him, Have faith in God. I remember hearing him preach, Have faith in God. He preached about faith. He was a man of faith. It goes on in verse 23 to say, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Can I tell you, this is not supernatural power for man. This is supernatural power of God. In verse 24, therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things ye desire when you pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. It's God's power. Number four, quickly, through prayer, God's servants can know victory over the Lord's enemies. By the way, there's a difference in your enemies and God's enemies. You know, we start talking about enemies. Oh, yeah, this guy didn't like me. That guy wouldn't walk across the street to spit on me if I was on fire. How many have ever said that about somebody? I, I, I have made that statement. I'm from the South. Uh, that when someone really hates you, you say, yeah, that guy wouldn't walk across the street to spit on me if I was on fire. Uh, and, and there are a lot of people like that, Brother Ahmad. And, and Brother Ahmad has more people like that towards him than I do towards me. We, and we all have those kind of folks. Uh, now, I'm not talking about your enemies. I'm talking about God's enemies. We can have victory. We see that in 1 Kings 18. I wish I had time to spend tonight there. Uh, the gods of false religion, uh, materialism, obscenity. We, we see it right out in the mainstream today. The enemies of God. The filthiness against God's holiness. Number five, Isaiah 59, 19, if you want to write that reference down before we carry on. But I've got a hasten. Number five, through prayer... God's servants are kept during times of testings and times of failure. God never fails, but we sure do. God never fails and never makes a mistake, but sometimes I think we're the masters of failure. But yet through prayer, effective prayer, I'm kept. I'm kept. Look back at our text, and I, I want to conclude. I want to give you some points. I'm going to be very quick about it tonight, but I, I want to I I I get somewhere I want to go here. Let's, let's go to James chapter 5 again. James chapter 5, in conclusion tonight, notice the secret of effective prayer. And, and this truly is the message. This, this is the truth encapsulated here in this text. 
It says in verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Prayer that is effective. Prayer that is effective must be fervent, earnest. It has to come from the heart. How many of you grew up in, in some false religion before you, before you had a relationship with Jesus Christ and you had some prayers memorized? You could pray them in your sleep, couldn't you? You counted your beads. My brother Maud, as he bowed down on his prayer cloth. By the way, some folks that grew up in a Bible-preaching church who never trusted Christ their Savior, who thought it was about being religious, you memorize your prayers too. God is good. God is great. Now I lay me down. I mean, you had them down. You had them memorized. But that's all they were. They were just words. Words that came out. They weren't from the heart. Fervent, effective, earnest prayer has to come from the heart. If you have a pen, Genesis 32, verse 26 Isaiah 66, verse 8. Hosea 12, verse 4. And I read for you very quickly tonight, Luke chapter 11, verse number 8. And I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. In other words, when you pray... Okay, I'm coming. The importunity, the fervency. We see that picture in the gospel. Number two, just two more quick points, more close tonight. Number two, prayer that is effective is that which is, by, is worked in by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. If a vehicle gets stuck, Miss Chris sent me a video of a jeepney crossing a river. In the, that was in the, in the Philippines, wasn't it? Full of people, you know, 600 goats, 337 people, 17 chickens. I'm not sure what, there was a bunch of stuff on that jeepney. And it crosses this through the river and gets stuck. And now they could have had all 737 people get off and pull. They could have probably got it out. There were so many people. They could have hooked all the goats to it and pulled it out. Now, you can get a rope or a chain or a strap, and you can hook, and you can get people to pull, and you, you may get unstuck. But in that video that they sent me, they had this massive winch on the front of that Jeep. Obviously, it was something they did often. It was like the coil of a tow truck winch. And they, they unloosed the spool and they pulled that giant cable. And they hooked that cable on the other side and put the lever back on. And uh, because it was the Philippines, there was no safety equipment. They're standing right beside the cable. But as soon as that, that winch 
the power of that worm gear driven winch started working. That big heavy vehicle with all those people just pulled right out. Because that had more power. Christian, when the Holy Spirit is involved in your prayer life, it has more power. We have His Spirit. We see that plainly. Romans chapter 8, if you'll turn there quickly. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Romans 8, 26, the Bible says, Likewise, the Spirit. Notice it's a capital S in your King James Bible. It's the Holy Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit, the person, the Holy Spirit, also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit, again capitalized, the person of the Holy Spirit here, itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That's a wonderful thing. The Bible says when I pray and I don't know what to pray, Holy Spirit takes over. As I pray, I don't know what I'm praying. He prays with me. How wonderful that helping of the Holy Spirit. Philippians 2.13, the Bible says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and do of his good pleasure. You see, God wants to do. God has a plan to do. That's a wonderful thing. The Bible tells us in the book of Jude, in verse 20, it says, But ye, beloved, building up yourself in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Lastly, number three, we'll close with this. Prayer that is effective must be offered by a righteous man or righteous woman. That is, by a man or a woman made righteous through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that for Ahmad to get his prayers answered, he has to be a righteous person. He has to be made righteous. Good works don't make you righteous. Sacraments don't make you righteous. Religious experience doesn't make you righteous. Singing songs doesn't make you righteous. Talking about God doesn't make you righteous. Being religious doesn't make you righteous. Only God makes you righteous. That's it. In other words, a lost person cannot have an effective prayer life. Now I know I've heard the words, oh, I'm praying for you from folks that are not believers. And I appreciate the sentiment. And I thank them. But I know that's not effective prayer. There's only one prayer that God will answer for a lost person. Only one. Now, I know I've heard folks say, oh, before I got saved, I prayed, and God answered. No. There's one prayer God can answer for a lost person. And that's the same prayer that Peter prayed as he was sinking. Lord, save me. That's it. Lord, save me. But I love the fact, believer, tonight that you and I, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, I stand righteous in him. I, I've been made 
righteous. Philippians chapter 1 verse 11 says, Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. That's who you are, and that's who I am in Jesus Christ. I'm righteous. I, if you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, can I tell you that you can never grow in your prayer life, you can never have answered prayer, an effective prayer, until you have the righteousness of Christ. It's, it's absolute necessity. We see, and we could, could spend hours tonight, and I'll close here with prayer, but we could look hour upon hour upon hour about prayer, about effective prayer, but honestly, the probably the biggest key, if we're going to have prayer that is effective, we have to pray. We have to pray. We have to take our needs and our burdens to our God. Let's do that as we close tonight. Lord, we... We come to you thanking you for the opportunity of prayer, the privilege of prayer, and Lord, the power of prayer. Lord, I want every one of us tonight to have a relationship with you, an effective prayer life. Lord, not just going through the motions, not just saying some words, but God, that we would truly pray from the heart, that we would have an effective, earnest, fervent prayer. Lord, may we walk guard around these areas we talked about tonight, those things that would be ineffective, would cause us to have a prayer life that would be stumbling rather than running, a prayer life that would be powerless rather than powerful. And Lord, most of all, would you help us to pray? Thank you, Lord, for making me righteous in Christ. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you for the opportunity we have to bring our needs Lord, so many needs we talked about already this evening. Lord, we, we ask you to do what the world cannot understand. God, would you show yourself powerful. God, would we have the opportunity to praise you and lift up your name and say that's what God did. Lord, thank you for what you've done, for what you're going to do. Bless us now. Dismiss us with your grace. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.